I'm going to read a few passages with you in the Gospel of John, if you have your Bible. Does anybody still bring a Bible to church? Hold up the paper Bible. If you have a paper, turn the page Bible. I love you guys. Turn those pages to the Gospel of John, chapter 13. And you can have a digital one too, it's fine, but open that up. Um, John 13, I want you to get there with me. I'd love for you to see the, the text in front of your own eyes closely, closer than the screen. But it will be on the screen too. Um, what we're going to read together is just a few scriptures, but I had this thought. I had this thought before I was getting ready to preach it. You ever notice that sometimes just a few words can carry deep and significant meaning? Just a few. You only need a few sometimes. Now, sometimes preachers just read like one verse, push it to the side, and then talk about whatever for 30 minutes. I hope not to do that. But we're not going to be talking about a ton of scripture, but there is a lot in these few words that we're going to look at. You know, like if the gavel comes down and says guilty as charged, that's just three words, but it could change your whole life. You know, when you stand on an altar and you say, I do, that's just two words, but it really changes your whole life. I mean, I'm not correlating it with jail, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying like they both, both of the, anyway. Um, okay, so just a few passages that we're going to read. And where we're picking up, just so you know, basically in the Gospel of John, chapter 13 through chapter 17, is all the, the Last Supper. So the first 12 chapters are pretty much three years of Jesus' ministry. 13 through 17 is the Last Supper, him just doing the meal, communion, and then giving some his final thoughts. And then they go from there, and he gets arrested and, you know, put on the cross, resurrection, all that victory. So I just want to point that out that that's where this is taking place, and we're just going to read a, a small couple portions of that setting, okay? So in chapter 13, we're going to read verses 34 and 35. This is right after he washes the disciples' feet, right after he's like, hey, one of you is going to betray me, and then, you know, Judas takes off, and then he says this. Notice his wording. This is Jesus speaking. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you are to love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, okay? There's a number of things in there we'll get to in a second, but that's powerful. And then one more passage, John 15, uh, we're going to read verses 12 through 15. He sort of loops back to this thought, and he says this. This is my commandment, that you are to love one another as I have loved you. Notice he's using the same wording. Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants, although we are his servants. For a servant does not know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. And he goes on, and, and the, whole, the whole passage is really great. And we're going to jump into that in a second. But I just want to set the stage with you tonight by remembering the days of old. You remember the... Uh, back in the 90s 
and the 80s. Does anybody remember when your cell phone had a cord attached to it? <laughs> and you only had one in the house? Did anybody have a cord on their phone that was like really long where you could wrap it all the way down the hall? And, and then you could, it, so, and then later on, and they, later on, you could get a second phone and you could like quietly pick that puppy up and try and listen to what your sister was saying to that boy. Okay, raise your hand if you never had a phone with a cord on it. <laughs> She's like, I'm embarrassed. It's okay, Gen Z. All right, here's another thing. Here's, a, here's another thing that we're never, ever going to have again. Will you play that for me real quick? Let's go. Raise your hand if you know what that sound is. Hands down. Raise your hand if you don't know what that sound is. Gen Z, you don't even know. That's called dial-up internet. Back in the day, you would wait an hour for one song. Oh, but that song would hit so good, though, when you waited. I remember going on road trips with my family, and my mom had a stack of these books. Because when you, big ones, they folded on top of the folds, like the front seat was covered. Because when you would drive in the past, you had to look at a map. They make those things in paper. Now, do you remember the days? Do, do you guys realize we are probably never gonna live in the time again where you gotta stop and ask for directions? Now, all right, now be honest with me. Who refused to ask for directions? Thank you for your honesty, a few people. Pastor Stephen? I could just see your wife pull over, honey. No? <laughs> My dad, he would not stop for directions. I remember this one time, man, it got so heated in the car. He had to, he got out of the car and just started walking away. And I was like, I don't know. are they getting divorced? It was crazy. Um, there was a time when if you were lost, you actually needed not just Surrey. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, listen, how do you say the word sir? Sir, sir, e. Okay, that's how I say it. She answers to me every time, so stop, okay? Surrey, Siri, whatever. She answers to me, she knows my voice. But there was a time when we didn't have her and you had to actually get the help of another human being. And I know that some, sometimes we don't really want to do that but I actually want to let you know, whether for directions or for something else, we were made, made for other human beings. We were actually designed to need and want help from other people. And what I find in these two passages that we just read 
is really something that echoes all throughout the New Testament. And it's this invitation to consider that, that we were designed for one another. And I just want to point out three quick things about uh, this, these couple of passages, just three things that stood out to me. Number one, I find it very interesting that Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Did you notice that? But, and then he talks about loving each other. And I, I'm, I'm kind of struck by that because love is not a new commandment. I mean, you remember what Jesus said when they asked him, what is the greatest commandment? What did he do? Yeah, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And he quoted that from where? Where, where was it? Deuteronomy chapter 6, yeah. Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's called the Shema. It's the prayer that the Israelites pray every single day. Shema means listen up. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. So love has always been centered. And then they come to Jesus and they say, what's the greatest commandment? And all he's doing is referencing something from the past, referencing something that's already been there. Love has always been the commandment. And yet this particular time, he says, I give you a new commandment. Because he adds a stipulation. It's not just love, the idea of love, whatever the dictionary says about love, the love that you know, have known of the past. What he's saying is, because I've been here with you, I can express to you that the love I'm inviting you into, this new love, is a love that's based on the example I've shown you. Right? Because he says, a new commandment I give you is to love one another as, as I have loved you. And this is amazing that, that Jesus came, stepped out of heaven, came to us, and set us the example. In fact, it's so amazing that for the first time ever in the Gospels, we see him refer to us in a new way. This is my second point. He's not just our God. He's not just our master, though he is. He's not just king of the whole universe. For the first time, he says, I call you friends. This is a new commandment that you would love one another as I have loved you, and I'm calling you my friend now. You see, guys, we were made for this. Now, not everybody in this room is going to be a parent. Some of the relationships we're talking about in this series don't necessarily apply to every person. Not everybody is going to be a parent someday. Every single person has been a child. So that's a relationship. But though maybe your parents were in your life, and so maybe that's not a relationship that you've really felt. Maybe not everybody in this room is going to get married. There is a, a gift and a call of singleness, and I'm really excited that we're going to talk about that during this series. But this is, a, this is a type of relationship that every single human being has the potential, and I would say the call to be engaged in, is friendship. Do you have any? Do you friend like Jesus friended? So do you love the way that Jesus loved? He says, I give you a new commandment. Not just to love, 
but to love the way that I've loved. And I call you friends now. And then he, of course, foreshadows that he's going to lay his own life down for his friends, which he's done for us. And then the third thing that I want to point out about this passage is that he says this over and over and over again. He says, love one another. Now, that, that is actually one word in the Greek language, in the language of the New Testament, not two. It's one word. And this one word, one another, shows up 100 times in the New Testament. And 47 of those times are direct commandments for believers to do something to or for one another. So let me ask you, is it possible to live out biblical Christian faith all alone? No. Can you believe in God? Absolutely. Can you have a relationship with God? Absolutely. But can you fully step into and walk in everything? Can you fully step in and walk in the new commandment, the love, the friendship that Jesus modeled for us and called us to if we don't do it with and for one another? We can't do it. Biblical Christianity is a communal religion. I just want you to consider that because we live in a culture that is so individualistic. We, we have to like sometimes take inventory of the time and the culture and the era that we ha- live in, right? We live in a microwave society. For thousands of years, people were just used to like things taking time. We're used to things being fast. Let's bring back the dial-up internet. There should like make an app for that. Your kids are misbehaving, just put like dial up before they can play their game or something. Wouldn't that be cool? But so we're we're all of us we're just we're just trained by the culture we're living in to want things quickly. We're trained to be very individualistic. You know, it's the iPod generation. Put your earbuds in and just ignore everybody. It's just me. We're, we're trained not to, Pastor Stephen, pull over and ask for help. <laughs> you do ask for help a lot, though. You are a great example of asking for help when it comes to things on the computer. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> not in the notes. Let's go. Um, Here's just a few. Here's just a few of the 47 commandments. Be, okay, let me just tell you. 100 times in the New Testament, 47 times is commanded. About a third of those have to do with love. About a third of those have to do with getting along with each other. Hello. And unity. It turns out that's always been an issue, not just... Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> don't say political things. Okay, uh, and a third of them are, are, are about other things. And there's just a lot of them, right? 47 times. Like, you just can't ignore this. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble amongst one another. Don't envy one another. Be gentle and patient and tolerant of one another. Bear with and forgive one another. Confess your sins to one another. Love and love and love and love and love and love and love one another all the time. 
Through love, serve one another, tolerate one another, greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay. <laughs> Give preference to one another. <laughs> it doesn't say a sloppy, wet kiss, John Mark, it, it, but it is to say a holy kiss. If you're in middle school or not married, it's unholy to kiss others. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. Don't judge one another. Don't be a stumbling block for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Speak the truth to one another. Comfort one another, so on and so forth. Pray for one another. It goes on and on. 47 times. Now, what I found super cool about this, this one word, one another, can I, can, I teach you, can I just teach you one Greek word tonight? Okay, here's the Greek word. Can anybody read it? <laughs> okay, this is the Greek word, alelone. Say that with me, alelone. See, that second accent is where you put the accent. Greek's cool because you know where to put the emphasis. You put the emphasis on the right syllable. And in this case, it's on the eta, so alelone. That's how you say that. Say that with me, alelone. Alelone means one another. Alelone. And I just thought that was so cool because we like to do things all alone, but the Bible tells us to do them alelone. Not all alone, but alelone. It sort of sounds like all alone, but it's the exact opposite. Just think about your life. How many things are you thinking, I'm going to do this all alone. I got this. And how many things are you thinking, I need to do this with somebody else? A lay loan. I need other people. I'm designed for other people. I was made for this. I was made for a lay loan. I was made for one another. You, you were made for one another. The church the church is not about just coming and sitting in a seat, consuming some spiritual thing that's given to you and then leaving and forgetting everybody that's around you. The church is the body together. We are the bride of Christ. We are, we are a family. We're supposed to be friends. We're supposed to be family. We're supposed to be with and for one another. Do you have friends, like, like real godly friends? You do? I have some friends. Now, I could tell you all about my wife and, and the amazing person she is, but this is not a message on marriage. I could tell you about some of the mentors in my life uh, who are typically friends as well, and they're challenged to me and the voice that they have, but it's not really a message on that. I'm, I'm really here to talk about friendship and what it is that we're called to one another. And I just want to tell you about a few friends that I have. I have this one friend named Tyler. And what Tyler does in my life is he challenges me. And this thing about Tyler, my friend, is that when you're around a Tyler, you think you could do anything. I mean, you just believe you can do anything. 
And, and I love that because I'm not always like that. I'm not what they would call an optimist all the time, right? So I need some optimists. I need some people that pour uh, faith into me. Now, I love, I love Tyler because he also is really challenging. He's a successful businessman, and, and, and that's just part, some of the roles that Tyler plays in my life. And I have this other friend, and her name is Sierra. And Sierra is a sister, and what I, what I really appreciate about my relationship, my friendship with Sierra, is I've learned so much grace from her. She is the most gracious person, and even when her husband is this crazy, just absolute knucklehead, she's so gracious. And I really appreciate that about my friendship with Sierra. I have this friend, his name is Marty. And Marty is one of the most enduring and committed people that I know. And my friendship with Marty has done so much in me in that regard because Marty has been through hell. And he didn't turn to the things that the world would normally turn to, but he stayed steadfast with the Lord. He stayed with his integrity, and God has poured blessing on his life. And that, that is such a, a powerful friendship in my life, and I just have really appreciated it. I have this other friend. Her name is Israel. And Israel, she's so kind. I don't know if she's here tonight. But she's so kind, and she's so vulnerable. I, she's the type of person that you're like, you don't know what sin is. I can't, I just, I like can't imagine her sinning. She's just so pure. And I just have appreciated my friendship with her and what I learned from her, how she challenges me with her kindness and her gentleness. I have this friend named Josh. And Josh is always available. You have any friend, friends in your life that are always available? You have any friends in your life that would give you their car? They would give you the shirt off their back? Josh is one of the most generous people that I know. And I've, I've been so challenged by his generosity. He is, he is willing to give every dollar in his wallet. He, he gives stuff all, away all the time. And I just have so appreciated that about my friendship with Josh. I have this other friend named Megan. And Megan is one of the most loving people. She is so welcoming of everybody. It doesn't matter what they look like, what they believe, what their religion is or lack of religion, how they are, how they talk. She's, she's just kind to everybody. And she, she just, it doesn't matter who they are. You know those people that sometimes it's like, I know I can invite you to church, but I know you don't wanna go. Megan's like the type of person, she don't even care. She's like, hey, come to church, sit with us. She knows they're gonna say no, but she's like, come to church. I love that about Megan. I have this friend named Aslan. It's not the Aslan you're thinking of. <laughs> yeah, it is. He's so, he's so gentle. And he's not just a, a, a musical worship leader, he's a worshiper. And like, he, he just loves Jesus and he's learned how to be humble and to repent from sin and to seek reconciliation and my friendship with Aslan is, is dear to me, and I've learned so much from him. And I have this other friend named Janelle. And I've, I've learned what forgiveness is. 
and what vulnerability is from my friend Janelle. And that's just a few examples. And I, I could talk about so many friends. Um, I chose those specific friends to share with you simply because those are the friends that I have in my small group. I have many other friends, and they all have taught me many things, and I, we challenge one another. We critique sometimes one another in a godly way. We encourage one another. We pray for one another, but I wanted to share with you tonight the depth of the relationships. Many of them I did not know as friends at all prior to my small group. In fact, when we first started our small group, I thought to myself, I'm a pastor here. Um, it would be really easy to just kind of ask the same old people. And, and you know, but I thought, we, me and Jess thought we, we want to we do a small group where it's people that like we haven't done something with before. Now, some of our friends that we had known prior had ju jumped in later, but originally it was just, we're just gonna invite people that we've never done anything with before, and that's how it started. You can do that. You can step out of the boat. You can put yourself out there. You can, you can be the, the catalyst for new friendships. And I'm telling you, even though you think it's scary, you think, well, who am I? Why would they want, will they even come? What? Most people, I think a lot of people, they are just, they're just like the idea of somebody loving them. People, if you didn't know this, people generally like it when people like them. And so what Jesus did is he stepped out of heaven. It's called the incarnation. He stepped out of heaven and he came to us. He says, I give you a new commandment that you would love and be friends with people as I have loved you. So you must do that to one another. So what did he do? He stepped out of heaven and he came to us. So if all of us are just waiting for somebody to come to us, we're probably not exactly or fully being like Jesus because we need to go and be incarnate in somebody else's life. We need to go to people and invite them into friendship. And so I could talk about, I could talk about a lot of people, but I wanted to share with you about those friends because those are the friendships that I've built that are so deep and so dear and happen in the midst of small group. And it just so happens that tonight is a great opportunity to get in one. Now, whether or not you choose to jump into a small group tonight, I want to challenge you. You were made for this. Relationship, though it's the most difficult thing, is what you were made for. And it's the most rewarding thing other than our relationship with God which is primary love God with everything that you are but right along with it we are to love each other love one another serve one another bear one another's burdens pray for one another lay hands on one another right take communion with each other eat together study the scriptures together teach one another you were made for this. Do you have friends like Jesus? Better question is, are you a friend like Jesus? We're commanded to love like him. We're commanded to make friends like him. 
and we're commanded 47 times to do something to or for one another. I hope that you'll respond to that challenge and those commands because it's good for you and you were made for it.